you're listening to Work in Progress. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Work in Progress explores the rapidly changing workplace through conversations with innovators, educators, and decision makers, people with solutions to today's workforce challenges. I'm joined today on Work in Progress by Johnny C. Taylor, President and CEO of SHRM at the SHRM convention yes, here in Sherm, Las Vegas. Sherm 23 Las Vegas. Oh my gosh, 20,000 people? 21,156 as That's of this morning. in person. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I huge. And vi- uh, virtually. Virtual you, about 3,000, so about 25,000 people total. That is a lot more than last year. Oh, it's more than we've ever had in history yeah. by about 20%. So. It's great. What is on the minds of the HR professionals that are here today? Well, so I'm gonna take a different angle. I think it's what's on the mind of the CEOs. In a knowledge-based economy, it's all about people. There was a time when CEOs said that, but you weren't exactly sure it wasn't just a talking point to make employees feel better. What we now know is they've realized that they cannot thrive in uh, economically speaking, financially speaking, if they don't get the people issues right, because that's the real differentiator before between the companies that win and the ones that don't. So what we found is even at the board level, And at the CEO level, there's a real pressure on organizations, human resources organizations in particular, and functions and departments to figure out how to maximize human potential so that the organization then benefits. And as a result of that, we're seeing business leaders say to their HR people, aren't you going to share? Like, as opposed to time in the the past when you had to make the business case to, you know, register and fly to wherever we were and and house a hotel, et cetera. Now business leaders are saying, I want my HR leader there because they will go there and bring back something that will make us better and ultimately better, more successful as a financial enterprise. In a time when there's 10.1 million open jobs, employers are scrambling to find that talent. Yes. So... What are those employers offering? What are they doing? How are they attracting that type of talent to their business? Well, the obvious one is you've got to pay people. And, you know, there's a debate over what is a living wage, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if the person across the street will pay you more, then you lose them. So fundamentally, organizations have to figure out compensation, base level compensation, right? You heard President Clinton this morning speak about organizations that have gotten creative. They may give a lower base, but then offer an incentive plan that will allow the employees to do really, really well as the organization does well. So there are tons of ways to do it. But pay is still number one. But number two, and very close following it is people management. Uh, yesterday, Zig Serafin from the CEO of Qualtrics spoke to the audience and said, you know, we have a lot of accidental people managers out there, right? They were just thrown into the job. You're a good accountant, so they make you the manager of accountants, and then the manager of accounts becomes the director of accounting, and we don't know if they're good people managers or not. The result is we're losing people. They're coming into organizations excited. You've paid them well, great investment, but the people won't stay because the people managers are significantly impacting their experience at work. So that's number two. The organizations that get past paying people competitively, generally, not just base pay, but compensation includes benefits, et cetera, and then you find great people managers, and then it's about constantly retraining them. One of the issues that's top of mind right now is training and development. Given that 50, as much as 70% of the jobs that exist today won't exist five years from now or will be so meaningfully reconstituted that they won't exist. If we are not investing in our employees' professional development, and not just the hypos, 
all employees, then employees will leave because they're going to go where they can get the talent to remain competitive for decades. So what are some of the ways that that investment is happening? How are these companies, big and small, saying, Exactly what you just said. We need to train those people so they stay with us. Right. The first thing that companies are saying is this training for, is for both of us. They're very clear. It's not just for you, and it's not just for us. Both of us. We have to give you skills that will make you competitive in a rapidly changing economic environment, and you need them just in case things don't work out here and you need to go somewhere else. I mean, the bottom line, President Clinton referred to this morning, and there are companies now that will offer up a benefit of training and development and say, even if you leave me, it's yours. So they're almost considering it a part of their compensation package. I got to pay you, I got to give you medical and healthcare benefits, and I also have to train and develop you, even if you leave me. And that's where the world is gone because, and we've talked a lot about this, I mean, it was literally part of my platform this morning listening to the president. The whole notion that we have a replenishment problem in America. I often say this, America is browning and graying at once. And so we just don't have enough children out there ready to be the future workforce. So we've got to get people to remain in the workforce longer, and we've got to ensure that they have the skills to remain in the workplace longer. So it doesn't matter that you want to be in the workforce and that you need to be in the workforce if you don't have the skills that we need. And that's the problem. We've got 165 million jobs. People go to work every day in America, as you know. Working nation, that's what we are, more than half of our population. The struggle is a lot of those people are leaving the workforce. The labor participation rate is down, inching up a little bit, but it's still down. And it's down because people want to work, but they know they're not qualified to do the work. And that's a struggle. So more and more companies are saying it's not just government's job. It's just not even higher ed's job. It's our job to bring people in, even if they don't have the skills that we need. And we've got to give it to them. And we've got to constantly update them so that they are ready to be our workforce of the future. The Federal Reserve uh, and the Fed Communities, which is the 12 banks together, yes. and it's their local community organizations, they put out a report recently called Worker Voices. Yes. And one of the things that the workers told them was they're so frustrated that they go and apply, and when they hear back, they say, oh, you don't have the skills. But it's still a little bit of a disconnect. It is an employer's role, yes. I think, to help make sure that they have the talent. But also, I always say there's a disconnect with the worker themselves, that they're unable to be able to figure out where do they go. You point to something that's a really important issue here. Employers are willing to do it, but if you're not employed, then the employer can't provide you the training that you need. <laughs> exactly. Right? So we're talking about, here's a stat that very few people know. Seven million men in America in the prime working age, 19 to 54, have dropped out of the workforce, period, post-pandemic, and just said, I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. And that's precisely what we've heard from them. They say, I don't mind working, I want to work. My issue is the employer won't hire me and I don't even know what skills to get. I just know that whatever skills I need, I don't have. Mm -hmm. So some combination of the government, Local governments are really taking the skills-based and skills training as a, you know an important initiative for them, but it's also up to the individual. 
What's really interesting, and I say this to worker audiences all the time, there's a lot of free training out there on the internet. And so I understand you don't have the skills, but you can acquire them. There are you know, Khan Academy, Coursera, there's Google. So, Google. There's so many opportunities out here these days for you to self-train and fairly inexpensively, frankly, you know? And so, employers will take those and employers certificates. employers will take those alternative credentials all day. The Google training, it's amazing, by the way. You can actually go get your really good job at Google if you and they will provide the training for you before you become an even an applicant they just want people to become credentialed they're not the degree no requirement that you go to school for four years or whatever but you can literally in six months prepare yourself to do a job so this is one of these things where you just can't point to the government and just point at employers employees have to own some of this too you've got to invest in your own not just one-time training but lifelong training and development i'll take the opportunity to plug we just did a great story on workingnation.com about goodwill yes and google yes people don't know about the goodwill digital Career Accelerator, which is powered by Google and Coursera, and you can go in and get free training. It's for IT, cybersecurity, all kinds of computer skills. Almost every industry, especially those who really, really need the talent. We don't talk about the skilled labor. And when I think of that, I'm talking carpenters, welders, etc. The unions are providing it. I was actually speaking apprenticeships. With apprenticeships. We were talking to someone the other day from the elevator industry. And you know, who'd have thought there was such a thing? But we all have elevators and need elevators. And, and, and so she's said we're having a really tough time getting first of all we don't have enough elevator repair people and these jobs pay really good money and she said but we need people to have the skills so we're actually offering if you're sitting at home right now at working nation listening in and you're like i can't i keep getting rejections from people there are people out there who are looking for elevator operators and you just wouldn't think about it high paying jobs and they will train you to do it. That's a skill that you have to acquire, but ultimately it's not gonna walk into your house. You've gotta go out and look for these opportunities. I'm gonna check that out because I'd love to tell that story as well. One other thing that President Clinton said while he was up there, and it's something we talk about a lot here at Working Nation, is the college degree and that it's not necessary for every job. There are some screening yes. through you know algorithms, et cetera, that may screen out people that don't have college degrees. Yes. How do you change that kind of thinking? Right. Well, Sherman has really taken that on personally, and it starts with we've got to change the narrative. Remember, for three or four decades, we told everyone the holy grail was the college degree. I remembered working in the historically black college space, and there was an organization, the United Negro College Fund, and their tagline was, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Implicit in that was, if you didn't go to college, then you've wasted your mind. So we have driven everyone to go to college and to say that is the only way you can be credentialed to do anything. Well, that has changed, and Sherm is working on it from the employer side to say, no, if you don't have a degree, that's not a reason to exclude you. IBM, Apple, many of these companies have said more than half of the hires that they did last year did not have college degrees, and it wasn't even a requirement in the job description. So this is a very intentional effort by corporate America to say you don't have to have a degree. Now, though it's not enough just not to have a degree, you have to have some credential. You've got to be able to do something. Companies don't hire you just because you're a nice person, right? So we do need employees by the same token to pick up skills, find out what an employer does, figure out what skills they need, and then find out how 
to acquire those skills, but it doesn't require the college degree. Betty Thompson, the chair of our board, said today, 38%, only 38% of Americans have college degrees. So what does that say? The other 62%, 25 and older who don't have college degrees, have to do something. We need them in the job market. And last question on that. If you don't use a college degree as a proxy, yes. and it's not a job that requires a certification, yes. how does somebody, how does an HR professional screen for that talent? What kind of questions should a job seeker be prepared for? How yes. do you share that knowledge? So two quick points. One, it's really hard and it's time consuming. It's not efficient. Part of the degree requirement was it was efficient. Like I could weed out people who didn't have it. It's a proxy for smart was what the degree was. Well, now that means HR has got to go back to the fundamentals and that is interview people. Second part of the uh, answer to your question is, so what are you doing during the interviews? You're looking for people who have, and, and people have to be prepared to articulate this. Are you smart and curious? We need smart people. Again, smart doesn't mean you went to Harvard and have a college degree. It says smart. Can you figure things out? So during the interview process, increasingly HR people are trying to figure out how does your mind work? I'll ask you questions. How can you solve problems? And are you curious? That's a real big. Secondly, teamwork. You got to have it. People who can't work with other people are going to find themselves unable to make it in this. And it's not just not that you're honorary. It's just like you literally have to figure out as we continue in a matrixed environment how we get things done is via teamwork. That's a skill that you can sell during an interview that says, I may not be able to do this specific job, but I'm a great learner. I'm smart. I'm curious. And I'm totally committed to working with others. The final and perhaps most important thing that we're seeing is we need people are willing to work hard. There's nothing that substitutes for work. I've said, I've met some really smart people in my life who probably are smarter than I am, but no one will outwork me. And there's nothing that you can communicate better during an interview to a hiring manager more than the fact that you're willing to work and you're going to work hard at it and work smart. So those three things, if applicants will get that across, hiring managers, HR managers, if you're looking for those things, we can almost train anyone to do anything if they have these other formerly called soft skills, and we now refer to them as power skills. Johnny, it's always a pleasure. It is very much so. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Johnny C. Taylor, President and CEO of SHRM. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Thank you for listening.